Welcome to the Baseball Insiders. It's Monday, October 3rd. The wild card series approaches the playoff bracket is shaking out. And I'm here with Baseball Insider Robert Murray, as always, to talk about everything that went down over the weekend. And it was plenty this time around. The Mets and Braves, Tony La Russa and Shohei Otani's massive arbitration decision. We'll touch on all of them. And we've got a Seinfeld-flavored segment for you at the tail end of the pod. Robert Murray, how you doing, man? Uh, we're going to be debating what and what isn't a choke for 50 full minutes. I hope you're okay with that. <laughs> oh, I am I'm here for it, man. Let's do it. How are we doing today? We're doing good, I, I think. A, a lot of... Uh, a lot of meaningless baseball this past couple of days uh, for for Yankee fans. A lot of fending off people talking about Aaron Judge and uh, Orioles pitchers pitching around him and constitutes a challenge and a lot of very unnecessary drama for the last week of the season, I would say. Uh, so I'm looking forward to the postseason. The regular season uh, is officially probably at the point of not quite doing it for me. But the last hurdle of the regular season took place over the weekend the Mets in Atlanta for three. Everything was lined up properly for New York to take full advantage. They flipped the rotation around. DeGrom, Scherzer, Chris Bassett, one, two, three in the ATL. They called up Francisco Alvarez, who hasn't played all year. Their top prospect joins them for the series. And yet, one loss, two loss, three losses, and the Mets' probability for winning the NL East goes from something like 79% when they entered this series to now I believe it is 98% in Atlanta's favor. You've been on the Mets for a while. We'll get into what you still believe in, how you feel moving yeah. forward. I mean, obviously this is a regular season series. The playoffs are entirely different, but their road just got a lot tougher and we got a lot to talk about, man. No, we sure do. And I will tell you, like I've been on this Mets train for a while um, and especially Going into that series, when you have DeGrom, Scherzer, and Chris Bassett going, you expect to win at least two of those games. You don't expect to get swept and have your entire season thrown just for a complete loop. Because what is the scenario right now is season ends today, they play the Padres in a wild card round, and then if they – like, I mean, the Padres, I mean, they're a super talented team too. That's not going to be easy at all. Um and let's say they do advance, they got to play the 110-win Dodgers. Um, not great. Like, losing that entire series for the Mets was about as bad as it could possibly get. Um, do they have the talent to overcome this? Of course. But it's not going to be easy. And they need Scherzer. They need DeGrom. They need that entire offense to step up. And, like, I can also tell you, um, you mentioned the Francisco Alvarez call up. Like I think that surprised a lot of people. Um, it actually, like to me, it wasn't that surprising. The fact like the Mets privately have not ruled out calling up Alvarez throughout the entire year. Um, it was never going to happen in the first half or even in the early second half, but it was always going to be a, an option late in the season. And they ended up placing, I can't remember who it was in the IL, but they had the ability to do that, call him up, and because of it, he's eligible for their postseason roster now. So especially with their need against um, or need for a designated hitter against left-handed pitching, I think that's that's a pretty big one there. Yeah, it's funny. You wish he'd gotten his sea legs earlier just because it's a – I mean, even for the number one prospect in baseball, it's a very tough assignment to say, you know, not only are we throwing you from the frying pan into the fire, but the fire is 50,000 Atlantans who hate you doing the tomahawk chop in pitch black with – flashing lights going is that new by the way i don't think i've ever seen that before that like pitching change celebration yeah yeah i'll tell you i i did not know it was a thing until last postseason mm -hmm. um when i was there for the world series and the braves fans were doing that um i mean it it's, it's different i mean i know the tomahawk chop isn't exactly like the most um yeah you know what i'm trying to say there yeah, but, yeah we get um, yeah redacted yeah and uh yeah, it's 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 a cool atmosphere though. I oh boy, I figure as soon as we end up going on, uh, yeah, we got we got the phone buzzing. But take it away, my friend. It's nothing too pressing, but yeah, oh, it's yeah. it's a wild. It was a wild weekend because I feel like Mets fans got their uh, energy changed this off season, and they spent most of the summer sort of 
pointing the finger back at people who accused them of potentially be being on a slippery slope towards this series really mattering. And I understand, right? Uh, you know, you want to talk about the 07, 08 collapse all you want, but those guys are, are literally not walking through that door. So yeah. it's, it's fair for some Mets fans to be holding on to this residual, you know, guilt of, you know, the 06 series against the Cardinals and, and that 07 David, David Wright and Jose Reyes are not here. That Mets team had Steve Traxel and John Main in the rotation, right? This is Scherzer, DeGrom, Chris Bassett. There is no, no parallel. Not only is there like a, a flimsy parallel to be drawn, it's just the jerseys. And they don't even wear the same jerseys. They used to wear like cream colored white pinstripes. It's a, there's nothing similar. And yet, given this really clean and easy September slate with the Cubs at home and the Marlins multiple series and the Nationals several times, they could have of all they got swept by the Cubs. They lost two or three to the Nats. They lost. Uh, they split two different two game series with the Marlins. You win three of those and you're still in first place now entering the final series of the year. So you're going to hear from a lot of people about the semantics of what it means to choke. A lot of people saying, you know, so the Mets are still a 98 win team. The Braves won 100 games. I'm not sure why, you know, what's a ch they just came from behind. The Mets didn't choke. That said, you have a fairly easy September on the schedule and miss a number of key opportunities to lengthen that lead. And all of a sudden you're entering a brave series with very little margin for error. Yep. People expect to win two out of three with, with DeGrom Scherzer and Bassett on the mound. And then, you know, th they don't win a single game here. So it's all of September is a, is a missed opportunity leading into a series where you have one more chance to redeem yourself in a best of three. And you lose all three. Those are two black marks on your resume, I would say, no matter how you feel about what is and isn't a choke. No, that that to me is a choke. Um, and it is, <laughs> I'll tell you, like, they had that division. I mean, figure what was it, three, four months ago, there was somebody around the Mets, uh, one of their uh, TV analysts, who ended up declaring that division over. Sal Licata from SNY. I'm really not sure how he got to where he got to, but... I will say he declared it over on June 1st and he declared it over again midway through last week. That <laughs> I'm uh, that take ended up aging like a glass of milk is what it did like that. That's tough. And that's why I don't like to do those bold predictions because they can end up getting you exposed by old takes exposed or just the entirety of Mets and Braves Twitter. Um, which is never a good place to be because I've been there before. And let me tell you, not fun. Um, but, uh, but yeah, man, that, that to me was a choke. They had so many different chances to take hold of that and not let the Braves come back. But it's uh, ultimately they ended up, the Braves ended up doing this thing. And I also like, I want to go back to Francisco Alvarez for a second here. Mm -hmm. And um with Alvarez, his expectations are so high and rightfully so. Like he's the number one prospect in baseball, um, plays for a huge market in New York, um, and he's going to be a significant piece to that team for hopefully for the next 10 years for, for their sake. Um, but I think we've gotten a little bit spoiled with some of these recent call-ups, especially with the Braves. Like they've the Braves have called up some of their guys and – they have performed immediately. And I think the pressure is like there's the expectations are too high right now on a guy like Alvarez. Yes. I know he's talented. Um, don't get me wrong, but it takes time, especially at this level, like having appearing, like, as you said, in Atlanta in a huge series like that, like that's, that's not easy. That's not easy at all. And the games are only going to get more tougher or more tough. They're going to end up being, um, in tougher environments, like everything is going to be harder from now. It's a, he's being thrown into the fire right now. Uh, the Mets needed him, but like, don't, I, I just, I don't want to put too much expectations on him because I think that can end up hurting him. Yeah. And it's tough because you evaluate the roster and you're like, well, of course the top prospect in baseball in a vacuum is a better option than Darren Ruff, who's really struggling is a better option than JD Davis. But we are totally spoiled 
watching Michael Harris work, watching Vaughn Grissom work, even just this year. I think that adds to the Mets' frustration, though, because it's not that it's not that you should be able to plug and play Michael Harris. You shouldn't be able to put your number one shortstop prospect straight from Double A into a series at Fenway Park and watch him immediately hit his first career home run and continue the Braves on this hundred ten win pace. It's madness. But when the Mets watch the Braves do it twice, and then they unveil their card for the biggest series of the year, and then it—I mean. It doesn't work is another understatement. Like we're giving, I, I will give Degrom a little bit of a pass. Six innings, three runs, eleven strikeouts. It's a pretty good start. But yeah. Scherzer, Bassett, they were not good. I mean, I'm not moving the goalposts here to say two of the three were not good, and one of them was not good enough to get the job done. Alvarez was definitely closer to the Scherzer Bassett camp in this series. He was put into a number of huge moments and he did not really approach delivering i wouldn't blame him i think you're but the mets fans are looking at atlanta and saying why did they get two of these and we don't even get one what how is alvarez not able to step in and be harris yeah and you know what that's fair and also another part of this too that's like interesting from the brace perspective is i'm pretty sure they called up both harris and uh what is it von grisham um mm-hmm. from double a um like that to me makes it infinitely more impressive, like how they've been able to like get these contributions. But I don't know what the Braves are doing. The secret sauce they got there in their player development is it's pretty impressive. And I, there's somebody um, who in the Braves front office who I have been getting rave reviews about um, as a future general manager candidate and it's Dana Brown. He's been responsible for a lot of their drafts um, and, Anthopoulos, he was one of the first guys he brought over when he got the job. And you can see exactly why. Like between Anthopoulos, between Dana Brown, um, and there's others in that front office too who are doing a really good job. They've put that team in position to um, compete not only this year, but for like the next 10 years because somehow Anthopoulos gets these guys to sign extensions that are just very below market. Uh, you know what? It's, I, I've heard – like I'm going to go on an Anthopolis rant for a second here. So yeah, bear with me. Um, I've heard from, I kid you not, over a dozen agents who are like who have dealt with Anthopolis and work with him that he is tireless. And he thinks through every single scenario um, and that it's like once he gets going, it's hard to get him off the phone just because like he wants to get something done. But he also like, he wants to do something fair at the same time. I know that may not sound like the actual case considering some of the deals they've done, um, but he's a tireless worker. And I've heard so many good things about him. Um, it's just the proof is in the pudding, man. And the job he's done is, is extremely impressive. Yeah. And I, I am in the camp that you can class it. it. Things can be two things breaking. Things can be two things like the Mets choked. The September schedule, the losses they piled up, especially their performance in this series, choke. Yep. That said, calling it a Mets choke is not saying the Braves did not earn it. They earned every minute of it. They pressed all the right buttons. Coming off a season where they made a bunch of midseason trades that everybody rolled their eyes at, and then at the end of the year, the guys holding the hardware were Jorge Soler, Eddie Rosario, and Jock Peterson. So if you didn't believe it last year, I hope you believe it now because we've now got prospects coming straight up from double A and contributing. We've got Jesse Chavez being dangled to the angels and Rossell Iglesias deal. And then Iglesias pitches dominant ball for two months. And Jesse Chavez is back in the Braves bullpen. And they're both there. It's like the modern version of trading a role as Chapman for Glaber Torres and then signing a role as Chapman, but within one season, like they didn't even have to wait till the end of the year to get Chavez back. It's been an Anthopolis masterclass beginning to end and yeah. that leads us to Dansby Swanson, who had an unbelievable series. We mentioned three starters. He homered off all of them. He homered off to Grom, Scherzer, Bassett. And he is a free agent at the end of this season. And he is a Georgia boy. What did his Mavericks do for his free agency, if anything? And, you know, obviously it was going to be a complicated process already before this three-game set. But his profile yep. is higher and higher every day. Day. What what are the Braves' plans for combating that? 
Yeah, the price for a guy like Dansby Swanson has continued to go up. Um, and like he is not going to be or he's not going to get a deal like Trey Turner or Carlos Correa uh, when he opts out. Like, I think that's pretty clear that he's going to opt out uh, considering his comments to the Minnesota media the other day. Uh, but Dansby Swanson is like he's in the conversation with the, to be the number three shortstop available. Um, and like there was I had heard some numbers thrown around. Um, and I thought maybe he would end up getting a deal in like the six years for like 120 to 140 million range. I, that number is, is it's going to be higher than that, I think. Um, and you know what? He deserves it. Um, the job that he has done, because I think you would say it's fair. He's been primarily considered a defense first guy uh, with a, like a, a decent bat. Um, but now like his, his offense, uh, you got to see it. He had home runs off the best of the best, like, the Grom, Scherzer, and Bassett—like those are no slouches. Uh, those are those are absolute dudes. Um, and the, yeah, the, the fact that he was able to do that, and the fact that he was able to—he's um, been able to just put up a really phenomenal season. Like it's going to enhance his free agency case. And John Heyman tweeted it the other day too. Um, he's even got like some MVP case. Like he's not going to win MVP. But like he'll be in the bid, or he'll, he'll be in the voting for sure. I would imagine, especially considering his season. But um, also, there's another, there's a question in here that I wanna, that I wanna address. If you don't mm-hmm. mind. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Also, there's another, there's a question in here that I want to, that I want to address if you don't mm-hmm. mind. Uh, it's from Josh Jacobs, who is a fan sided legend. Uh, I get to talk to Josh every day. I'm an absolute G. Um, he is, he's asking if the Mets get bounced in the wild card series, how do you see that impacting their offseason moves? Which to me, it's a great question. Um, I would think they, so they entered this year, um, I don't want to call it World Series or bust because they signed a lot of these guys to multi-year deals like Mark Canna, Max Scherzer, Starling Marte. Um, there's some more in there too. Um, but a, a lot of those guys were on multi-year deals. And that being said, the expectations for this year are really high. Like they were supposed to be – it was supposed to be between them and the Dodgers uh, for the national to represent the National League in the World Series. Um, and if they get bounced in the wild card round, that to me would put pressure on them to spend even more. And I think that may end up putting a guy like Aaron Judge even more in play. I don't like to me. I don't think there's a scenario in which the Mets sign both Degrom and Aaron Judge like that. I know Steve Cohen's got deep pockets. I don't think they're that big. Um, although you know what, it's probably not very smart of me to like to doubt the size of Cohen's wallet or his willingness to spend because like he'll easily shove a pie in my face. Um, but I, I think them getting bounced in the wild card round could result in some other teams being plenty worried about how much they're going to spend in the offseason because with Cohen, you can't really predict what he's going to do. 
Yeah. I, I, I'm fully, you know, considering if the Mets get bounced in the wild card round, Judge is like a, he's going to be carrying a blank check back from the Yankee to the Yankees from Steve Cohen at that point. Uh, what are you hearing about DeGrom? I would say, do you have any buzz there or leanings? Cause his comments to the press have been chopped a little bit because people do want to focus on the part where he says, you know, I'm definitely opting out rather than the part where he says, the Mets are home, working something out would be nice, et cetera, because it's more interesting to focus on the fact that he's for sure cutting that previous contract in half. Are you getting the sense that he's leaning in either direction or, or are the Mets potentially worried about that risk? I, I mean, if he is free agency, there's always going to be a risk um, about him leaving. Um, the contract that he's going to end up getting is going to be pretty, pretty massive. Uh, it's going to be more than Scherzer's annual average value on mm-hmm. probably a three or four year deal. I'm very curious to see if the Mets can end up doing two deals like that with both the Grom and Scherzer. My guess, and this is just purely a guess, is that he ends up staying. Um, but I'm not going to rule out the possibility of a different team um, going to him and just being like, here's our best shot. Here's a blank check. Um, we want you uh, because a guy like DeGrom becoming available is like a once in a lifetime kind of deal. Um, that just doesn't happen. Like there's obviously going to be some people who are scared away just because of his, um, because of his injury history. And you know what? I can't blame him. but on a short term deal, that risk is somewhat mitigated. It's not like you're doing like a nine or a 10 year deal or anything, but um, his market is going to be massive. I do. As I said, I think there's a shot that, um, he does leave, uh, but my money is on him staying. And I also need to grab my laptop charger because my MacBook is about to die. So I will be right back. You do your thing, my guy. <laughs> Go for it. No, I'm in a dead silence until Bert returns. Deadly. This is going to be lowest rated segment in podcast history. No, I'm uh, I'm kidding. I, I folks, the, the choke versus not a choke thing. Can we all just get along? Everybody was... Everybody was ready to declare the Yankees blowing a 15 and a half lead down to three and a half contextless as a choke. Now we have the Mets who say what you will about the Yankees. That lead never got to zero. That lead never went away. The Yankees clinched the division. Say what you will about the Mets. Their story is not yet written. They are still, you know, they're headed into a postseason series with the Padres, who I think most of us would have labeled as disappointing. Before this weekend, when they suddenly became boogeymen to the Mets, right? The Padres were the most disappointing team of the second half. And now that the Mets are lined up to face them, it's like, oh, the Padres, what are we going to do? Now we got to face the Padres. Wait, hold on. Calm down. Like, we very recently were talking about how Trace Thompson was outplaying Juan Soto. So the Mets postseason story is not yet written. We don't know where their journey ends. But like you said, we do know that it got much tougher this weekend. And there are a lot of questions in the comments, and, and now is probably a good time to, to talk on it, about the playoff bracket settling the way it has. The Mets are poised to be the four seed, right? Uh, they're going to obviously finish ahead of the Padres and the Phillies. That was clinched weeks ago. And even when the Mets were battling with the Braves a couple of weeks ago, they were they were like 13 or 14 up on the other wildcard teams. It was absurd. So the Mets are going to get City Field home games. The Padres are coming in to Queens. The Mets are not going to the West Coast. Um, but that's uh, that's you, Darvish. That's Joe Musgrove. That's Blake Snell. That is the aforementioned Juan Soto. If Josh Bell ever turns it around, that's a pretty fearsome lineup. Brandon Drury is at on and off injury issues. Yep. Uh, Manny Machado is an MVP candidate. It's not a walkover, but let's let's say they do. Sir, let's say they get past the Padres. Then no reseeding. The winner of the opening round series uh, between the three and the six goes to the number two. So the Braves are going to get the Cardinals or Phillies. The Mets, if they move on, go directly to Los Angeles. And Ouch. Scherzer, DeGrom, etc. all had to go all out to win this wildcard series. So odds are very low that you get to set that division series up in your favor. Um, Mets, Dodgers, is it feeling any different to you in the DS than it would in the CS? And if the Mets get stuck going to LA for this 
best of five after playing a best of three at home. Does MLB consider reseeding next year, or do you think they're stuck with this format? I don't know if they would reseed it. Um, I don't or think they I don't would either. If, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't think so. But that would, like, at first thought, that would be one heck of a like break for the Braves, not having to deal with the Dodgers or the Mets in that opening series. Like, I mean, and the Mets end up having to face the Padres and then the Dodgers. Or, I mean, if they advance, I should say, like. That also just underscores the importance of that past series, man. Like that, that completely changed the game. Um, but for me, um, if I was the Mets, like that, I mean, you're going to have to end up using, as you said, those three guys to get past the Padres in that scenario. And then you're going to end up having what Taiwan Walker. And then I'm forgetting their fifth starter for some reason. Carlos Carrasco, is it? Yeah. 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 Um, having them start the games one and two. Um, against the Dodgers, unless you want to put the other guys in short rest. Um, and that puts you right behind the eight ball. Like, I'm, that, that being said, like, they're talented pitchers. They can, like, they, they're about as good as four and five starters as you're going to find. Um, but it is, it's tough. And you got to assume that it would end up being a 2 0 deficit before one of those other guys ends up getting the mound. Um, it's just, a, it's a bad spot to be in, man. Um, I'll tell you, like, the Mets have every right to be pretty upset about them getting swept that past series because that may actually I'll I'll take it a step further that did impact the rest of their season. Um, so, ouch, ouch. Uh, also, ouch. We lost four viewers when you went to get your laptop charger. So, uh, folks, give me some time. I promise I'll, I'll grow on you. Um, the, the Mets really did uh, really did hurt themselves there. Uh, before we move on. You mentioned being caught in a in the Braves and Mets Twitterverse was painful. Uh, what's the most painful fan base you've ever gotten caught in? Oh man, that I've gotten caught in some pretty tough ones. Um, I will say Cubs Twitter is pretty ruthless. Uh, they're very ruthless. I've also gotten caught in Padres Twitter. Like it, it's weird. Like Padres Twitter used to hate. And I mean, despise me. And now, like, they love me. It, it's been, like, a complete 180. Um, just, I don't want to say overnight, but it, it happened pretty fast. But um, I would say those are probably the two toughest ones. Yankees fans, like, I get along with them seemingly pretty fine. I will say um, a fan base that, like, surprisingly, I mean, they're very tough. Um, and that's Philadelphia fans. I'm actually wearing an Eagle shirt right now, by the way. Go Birds. Yeah, there you um, go. Go Birds. Um, but I, I understand Philly fans very well, and that is a tough, passionate fan base. They just want they want to see uh, they want to see winners, and they care about their teams. And I get that, you guys. Um, so my shout out to the Philly fan base. I'm a big fan of your guys. Yeah, me too. Uh, one, just wow. how about you beat the Houston Astros once? Pizza Twitter. Have you gotten caught up in Pizza Twitter lately? Has it been a while? Um, I have not, but Cody, that's that's. Uh, I can't believe you do that. Cody's my guy, um, or well, was my guy. Um, <laughs> he, fan side has just designated Cody for assignment, um, according <laughs> to the sources. Is this breaking? Um, yeah, yeah, that's breaking news. So um, nice knowing you, Cody. But anyways, I, I'm just kidding. I love Cody. Um, but food Twitter is the one that hates me the most. Like that's, it's bad. I tweet a food take, and all of a sudden it's just it's a complete shit show. So yeah, um, yeah. Food Twitter is a dark place. I don't know why you devote your Twitter just to to opinions on lasagna, etc. But uh, you know, hey, each their own. Um, speaking of uh, food that doesn't look like uh, your standard food, Chicago deep dish pizza, not quite pizza. Chicago White Sox manager Tony Larusa. Not quite a major league manager and no longer a major league manager. Officially, uh, word leaked this weekend that he was no longer going to uh, have that job. Next season, the dugout in Chicago would be manned by somebody else. I think many of us assumed this would be the case before the news became official. Larusa left setting health concerns midway through this season. He got most of the way through and then he uh, had to stage right. And I think. think uh, the White Sox fans were excited by that. They played better under Miguel Cairo, but then ultimately folded once again in, in their biggest series of the year with a chance to take advantage of the Guardians at home. They pushed them to extra innings. Then they fell apart, and then the whole tent collapsed. 
So what do you think uh, the outlook is in Chicago there without La Russa? Is Cairo going to be the pick? Is he going to have the inside track? Does Chicago look elsewhere? And, and overall, do you think they're going to be looking for youth or experience there? Um, I think this time around they're going to go with Rickon's guy. And they should because this last round or this last hire was Jerry Reinsdorf using his influence and using his power to hire his guy to right or wrong that he did 40 plus years ago with Tony La Russa. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was the most predictable outcome um, with La Russa. I'm not saying his health concerns. Like I, I wish him nothing but the best there, um, but that the La Russa experiment was going to be a, a, an epic failure. And it was more of a failure than even I thought um, because I thought the White Sox had a very high floor uh, considering that level of talent that they had on the team. And yeah, there's been a bunch of injuries, um, but there was never a point this year where I was like, the White Sox are about to go on a run. Like this is, they're finally back. Um, and that to me, I don't know what direction they're going to be leaning in for a new manager um, because it's, it's pretty early for that. Um, but I, I can confidently tell you that is, a very attractive job like that's going to be more attractive than the angels that's going to be more attractive than the marlins um philadelphia is a pretty attractive job if they don't keep rob thompson i i do think they're going to keep thompson um just just a guess but like i he's done a, a great job there um but the, the white Sox job is is extremely attractive and i think had they offered it to aj hinch um hinch would have been the manager in chicago but ultimately the White Sox did not do that. Um, I don't know why they went with Tony La Russa. Not AJ Hinch is in Detroit. I mean, it's it hasn't been sunshine and rainbows there in Detroit by any means. But like, we we also haven't given this a shot up. But the the, the Tigers they're they're set up pretty well with Hinch and Scott Harris. Like Harris, there's a lot of fans of his throughout baseball. So shout out to them. And then the White Sox. I'll tell you, very 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 important hire is what they have right here. Like this is critical for Rick Hans tenure. Yes. And, and didn't the Hinch, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't AJ Hinch's signature make it into the, we hired Tony LaRusa Twitter graphic. Like that's how it wasn't close, but they still managed to get that close. Yeah. That's I, boy, I forgot about that. That's a great memory by you. Yeah. That's uh, yeah. Cause I'll, I'll, I'll tell you. Yeah. That's uh, I remember White Sox square getting war piled up about that. I don't know why, but I re- remember random fan bases getting riled up about certain things, and that was definitely one. Yeah, you spend some time in the baseball Twitterverse. People get it. You, I remember the ebbs and flows of people getting angry too. It's it's very easy to recall when people are mad at you in your mentions. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, you've had a bunch of that. Well, oh, uh, this. Yeah, I'll touch on this extremely briefly later. But I had people. The Baltimore Orioles fan base was not happy with me this weekend. And neither was a a national writer for CBS who uh, made a grave mistake. Uh, And then when I pointed out the mistake, I figured from my mentions, which is interesting. Um, But the the White Sox are, uh, I mean, high floor, to say the least. Even with Tony La Russa last season, seemingly, you know, a lot of people are questioning why he's tarnishing his own legacy this way in, in general. And that was sort of the conversation from the jump, which is sad. Like, he never really got time to breathe. It was never really like, well, let's see what this next step looks like. It was just, he's not to tarnish his legacy. Oh, there he goes, tarnishing his legacy. And last season's White Sox team, preseason favorites, every publication, 93-69, and 69, get to the ALDS uh, after a 2020 coming out party in the season where no one's in the ballpark. They largely fulfilled their destiny last year. Come up against the Astros. It's Nobody small. beats the Astros. Yeah. No. I mean, if, if it's your first time in a playoff series with fans in the stands and you draw the Houston Astros and games one and two are on the road, just being competitive is a victory. So for me, this year was the year for them to go from 93 to 99, for them to take command of the central shore, but more importantly, strike fear in the hearts of Houston and the AL picture is still pretty unsettled. Like the Yankees are the number two team in the AL almost by default. They've been 500 since the break. There was room for the White Sox to be that number two and to win 99, 100 games. And 
last year was i would say they hit their ceiling last year larusa or not this year was the year for me where they underperformed massively yeah and i'll i'll tell you i think you're dead on with that man i i genuinely do um and the fact that they did not even get better but they got worse that's tough that's very tough and like a lot like the white Sox, they they made their own bed um like that's they have to look squarely at themselves in the mirror here, but you also got to give credit to the guardians for being able to take hold of that division, especially late. Like they were the opposite of the Mets. Um, like it's, it's weird saying that, but like, it's actually true. Um, at least I think so at least. Um, but it's, uh, I'm just very curious to see what that, how that team looks next year, because they they're in a position to contend. They have so much talent on that team. Um, if you get that higher right, I'm I'm actively trying to figure out who some of those candidates on that on that managerial list are. Um, I haven't gotten any names yet, but I gotta imagine like that that job is gonna draw pretty massive interest, um, and rightfully so. Um, just on them and Jerry Reinsdorf and Rick Hahn to get this right. As long as Rick Hahn actually gets his chance to to make the hire, yeah. Um, and just to tie up the loose end, <laughs> I don't know if the Orioles pitch around Aaron Judge this weekend or not. I don't. Um, but I know as a Yankee, it's frustrating to watch him not hit the 60-second home run this weekend in the Bronx. It was also frustrating for him to have been walked four times in a game in Toronto where nobody else got walked. There were four total walks in the game. They were all Aaron Judge. A lot of residual frustration. I sent out what I thought was a fairly innocuous tweet summing up the situation, just saying if what's happening to Aaron judge was happening, to your favorite player, you'd be frustrated too. That's, that's it. Right. I don't want to accuse teams of pitching around him. I don't care if they are. I don't care if they're re-strategizing. I'm just saying if your favorite player on your favorite team had a chance to hit a record setting home run and they weren't doing it and they were looking at curveballs outside and everyone else was getting challenged and they weren't, you'd be frustrated. Uh, then a CBS Sports uh, fantasy writer popped in my mentions to say, if it were on another team, would unaffiliated announcer commenting on the situation though? And I was like, uh, yeah, I didn't mention that, but no, I don't think they would. And then he was like, well, ha, don't you see why tweets like this annoy us? And it was Ryan Rook of the S Network, who is a Yankees fan, calling the Orioles weak for intentionally walking Aaron Judge. And I said, that man is not unaffiliated. He's a Yankees fan who works for the Yes Network. Couldn't be more affiliated. And then the man who was in my mentions uh, ran away forever. He never came back. So that's my that was my weekend. Wow. That's a uh, very eventful weekend. That, uh, that what the heck? Man? Twitter is an odd place, man. I, bad. It is bad. Like, it. Twitter's good in the sense that it changed my life and career forever, but like it's also just an absolutely wretched place. It's uh, so true. Like Twitter is okay. So I will give Twitter credit for changing my life, but on the other hand, it's a horrible place to exist. That's really the truth of the matter. Yeah. Honestly, Adam couldn't have said it any better because that's exactly how I feel, but like, that's a weird one to get all worked up about. Oh, it was a weird about. one. There was like a, he was like doing a gotcha. He was like, what if a completely unaffiliated person was commenting on it? I'd be like, yeah, that would be kind of frustrating. And he's like, well, here's this. And it's like, that guy works for the Yankees. That's not the Yeah, he pulled a reverse Uno card on himself. He dunked on himself. What the heck? He dunked on himself. And then, of course, he went away. Let's briefly talk about there are a couple of comments here uh, about Shohei Otani uh, connecting him to the Mets. That one I'd love your thoughts on. Uh, because he did sign a massive deal, one-year deal for 2023 this weekend that takes him out of the arbitration process, which is an uncomfortable process. And we're fresh off Aaron Judge settling, not settling, not settling, getting ready to get in a room with the Yankees brass to tell him why he's not worth X amount of money over the smallest margin, just like a $2 million difference. Otani and the Angels have avoided that uncomfortable reality. They are going to give him $30 million for next year. That's the last year. He is under team control of the Angels. What do you think that figure means? Is that is that enough to sort of 
be a gesture of goodwill? Do you feel like things are still amiable in Los Angeles with Otani? And we got a new ownership group coming in there too. TBD. We don't know who that's going to be. Do you think this was, is going to change that? Yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot to unpack here with Otani, but first I want to start with how on Saturday afternoon, I disconnected. I left my, I left my phone in my apartment because I just wanted to get away. I didn't think anything was going to happen. Fishing. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, I actually went to Chipotle. Um, well, <laughs> so, I mean, you can't go wrong with Chipotle. No, uh, no cell phones I, allowed there. No, no, exactly. So yeah, no cell phones allowed at Chipotle. Um, and I get back and I have three missed calls and this person was, was trying to give me like the Otani scoop. Um, and I missed it because I, for the first time and however, I probably the first time all year, I didn't take my phone with me. Um, and I ended up missing out on the Otani scoop and I was kicking myself. My Saturday was, was shot. Like it was ruined. Um, but, uh, but on, on, on a more, um, real note here with, with Otani, um, I do think the Mets and Otani connection, like it makes sense. Um, the Mets obviously like to spend big dollar. Um, they have Steve Cohen, who's got the pockets to sign anybody. Um, and they have Billy Epler. And for Otani, relationships are very, very, very important. And Billy Epler was one who scouted him overseas. He signed him with the Angels. By all accounts, those two are have a very good relationship. Um and I, I think if Billy Epler is still in New York at that point when he becomes a free agent, or even if he's trying to trade for him, which I mean, he's going to be in New York. Um, like I, I think the Mets are certainly going to check in to see what it's going to take. Um, the thing that I don't know about it is I don't know if Artie Marino would sign off on a deal that would send Otani to the Mets and trade into Epler. Um, I just, I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, and you know what? I mean, that's that's fine. It's a little odd to rule out. Like, I'm not ruling out the Mets. I I, I want to make that very clear. Mm-hmm. Um, but in a bidding like Otani, um, you're going to get an absolute haul. Like, this is going to be. I mean, it, if they trade him, it is going to be one of the biggest hauls in baseball history. Like, a, even a player like Otani who's on a one year deal, um, he's going to require that. He's just that good. But. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm fascinated to see what happens. And I was told immediately after that contract, uh, the one year is for $30 million for Otani. It is going, and this is a, an exact quote, it is going to be the first of many records that Otani breaks throughout his entire career. And that person was very definitive when he said that. Um, so I'm just, I'm fascinated to see how his career and ultimately like the next year playoff for, for Otani. Yeah, it's been said time and again in the MVP conversation, like you are talking about someone who is a top five or six hitter in baseball and a top four or five pitcher in the American League. So if you're putting together your trade package, you'd better be putting together a trade package that is equivalent of obtaining an ace-level starting pitcher and a 40-homer DH in the same package. Yeah, and like you're basically... Well, you're basically acquiring like a boy, like a Justin Verlander and Matt Olson combined into one, um, which is just good luck. That's freaky, dude. Like that, that shouldn't be possible. Otani should not be possible, but yet he is and he's spectacular. Um, and that also is like, it's a Seinfeld quote right there, baby. We, uh, we had to, we had to bring that one in. Yeah, that leads me right into our final segment, and uh, hopefully it makes you feel a little better after missing the scoop to try a a scoop of guac. Pause for applause. Um, Did you try the new guajillo bowl or whatever that all the influencers are tweeting about? What'd you get at Chipotle? Oh, dude, that's exactly what I got. And I also had a free thing for double portion, so I did that. You should have seen the size of that burrito. Like I was doing curls with that thing, and it was better than the 20-pound dumbbells I used at the gym. (laughs) Can I ask you? Do you do you have a gold card? At Chipotle, I do not. Yeah. Um, okay. But I I will say like, um, <laughs> yeah, that's a great pull by Braulio right there. That uh, that's 
yeah, cheers to that one. But anyways, um, I know I know Christian Yelich over the Brewers has one, and I'm very jealous, and I'm going to continue to try to poke him about that so I can steal it from him. But yeah, I've seen him floating bad. around. I just I don't know I don't know what level you have to be to get him, and and someday potentially the, the Baseball Insiders I think is our ticket. Both of our tickets to a gold card, not a shared gold card, uh, single gold cards for both of us. We wanted to have a little fun at the end of this podcast, though. We are both huge Seinfeld fans. Uh, look, when the show was live on air, we were children. We were not watching live. That's the beauty of syndication. Uh, I know you've absorbed that amount of Seinfeld over the years. So if I, so is Braulio Perez, who was in the comments. Uh, I think he showed up specifically for the Seinfeld portion of this podcast. And that's okay. We want to do a recurring segment where we apply our favorite Seinfeld quotes to different baseball players, different baseball teams. The show still works today, folks. That's why Curb Your Enthusiasm, Larry David, it's why they're still massively popular. It's why they're doing another season. Because the way Seinfeld looks at the world, people still love it. And these quotes are timeless. And we could do this uh, off-season. We could do this opening day. We could do this anytime. I'm going to give you a Seinfeld quote. uh, And let me know what team, what player, what modern baseball factor figure this makes you think of. Um, And you already went with they're real and they're spectacular for Shohei Otani. And and I would agree with that. Nobody is. It's hard to believe he's real. Uh, when Elaine falls on Shohei Otani in the sauna, it's it's difficult to tell if he's real, but in fact, he is, and he is spectacular. Uh, what about my favorite Seinfeld quote, George's comeback? Oh, yeah, well, the jerk store called, they're running out of you. Who is the supreme jerk who has either made it work or changed the baseball season on its head? Oh, man, dude, that... <sighs> I mean, you can go with a lot of them. I mean, there's there's one that I want to go with, but I can't say it. Um, yeah. Should Josh Donaldson work? Josh he's Donaldson crazy. works. Yeah, because he's, like, known as not a very good human being. Um, so I, I think that works, especially with the Yankees like that. So, yeah, and I'm going with Josh Donaldson. Yeah, he's heating up a little bit. Uh, the jerk store, uh, the demand for Josh Donaldson is – I would honestly say Josh Donaldson is, like, the other guy's comeback. Who cares? You're their all-time bestseller. He's the number one jerk store uh, bestseller of all time. Mine is a personal gripe, but I'm not sure I've heard a positive word about John Smoltz's Fox broadcasts. Um, obviously, I come from a place where uh, you know Smoltz's Braves did not mesh well with the 90s Yankees. I feel like he calls those national Yankees games with a little bit of very specific uh, fervor. It's not often that you can say announcers really hate your team, but you really hate the Yankees, John Smoltz, and it's okay. They they hurt you, and you hate them. Uh, so I would say that the way he attempts to downplay, I mean, he's the only person still left on the if Aaron Judge stays healthy train. Other announcers have stopped saying that. John Smoltz still says that. So for me, the jerk store called, and they're running out of John Smoltz. I mean, if Aaron Judge stays healthy, then I think Smoltz, no, I was just kidding. I couldn't. I, 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 <laughs> I wanted to mess with you, but I think that's definitely a fair one. I didn't realize... Um, he was one of those rare people who did say that about Judge, but um, yeah, that I think that's a very valid one for sure. What about? And I think I know where we're going on this, and and where I'm at is different than where I was on on Friday and Saturday when I was prepping this. What about the I was in the pool award for shrinking away from the spotlight? Who would you give that to? Oh man, <laughs> I could go in a lot of different directions here. Can like can we talk? I mean. If I want to do, like, throughout this entire season, I'll go with the White Sox. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I'll go, like, for right now, it's definitely the Mets because um, they shrunk at the biggest moment. Um, so, I mean, is that where you were going with this? I was going with the Mets. It, when I prepped this, I was thinking White Sox because I was thinking, you know, who who shrank the most under pressure this year? It's got to be your Chicago White Sox. But then all of a sudden, <laughs> it's Max Scherzer on a weekend in the Hamptons trying to get back and and justify his case to to Rachel about you know how 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 much of a man he is right he he was he was a bulldog he, he, but he gets on the mound and he blows this Mets series and all of a sudden it's it's I was in the pool for Mad Max <laughs> you could have given me a million guesses on what we would talk about on this podcast <laughs> shrinkage would not have been one of them that uh, this podcast is officially off the rail the rails here. The uh, the Adam Weiner effect, right? <laughs> it was shrinkage weekend in Atlanta. Like 
it, you, you want to talk about shrinkage, the Mets were literally chopped off. Uh, I don't, yeah, sorry. No. Can... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was pretty good. I'll give you that. That uh, respect, yeah. What about, uh, so we're entering free agency in, in a couple of weeks. It's, it's the time of the year when, when people start thinking pretty highly of themselves. Uh, you've got, you know, Scott Boris, we're approaching the winter meetings. He's going to be doing his soliloquies and his poems and his beautiful, uh, you know, statements. About, say, such and such is a metaphor for life. You know, Anthony Rendon is a carburetor or whatever. Um, I'm thinking about people who are talking themselves up. So I'm going to give out the Ray McKigney Award. The most exquisite hands you've ever seen. Oh, he had it all. The hand model who talked himself up and, and eventually ruined his own life as, as George is becoming a hand model. Who is the Ray McKigney of free agency? Who believes the most in themselves? Who is the cockiest entering free agency? Because I tell you what, I, I got somebody in mind, but who are you thinking? The cockiest guy going into free agency. Oh, this, this is an easy one. I, I, I have not looked at your answers. So I, I mean, if I'm stealing this, I'm sorry. But Carlos Correa. Bingo. Yeah, like his comments to the Minnesota media were just like, whoa. I actually like let out like a, a holy shit. Like it was just like, I I mean, I, so the one of the things I love most in sports, Adam, is when a guy is cocky, but he backs it up. Yes. Um, and Correa does that. And you know what? Like, yeah, I just, I respect it. He's, he's got a ton of confidence in himself. He's going to make an absolute poop load of money. Um, I mean, that's not official terminology. Uh, no, I should it's not. probably clarify that. But um, yeah, he talks to talk and he walks to walk. So I'm Carlos Correa for sure. Carlos Correa, I, I call myself wondering last offseason, like, is Carlos Correa going from Houston to Minnesota going to dim his star at all? Is he going to be the same, you know, cocky pointing at the watch guy in the Twin Cities? that he was in Houston. What if he misses out on the playoffs? Is that going to dampen his competitive spirit? He's not making the playoffs. He had kind of a weird year. I believe he only hit one homer with runners in scoring position this year. We all know who Carlos Correa, the player is. It's not going to change my assessment of him entering free agency, but definitely kind of a quiet year. And I was like, well, I wonder, you know, maybe he really does want to go back to Minnesota. Maybe he really believes that. And then all of a sudden, He's saying, you know, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll think about going back to the Twins. Like, you know, it's like shopping at the Dior store. If they want Dior, they're going to drop the cash. And it's like, buddy, welcome back. Welcome home. Like, and, you haven't changed a bit. No, and well, and with that quote, you can tell exactly the Scott Boris influence because that's his agent now. And that's a Boris metaphor if I've ever heard one. Like, that is, like, that's straight out of the Boris playbook right there. So, at uh yeah, that was, that was, boy, we're already getting Boris quotes and we're not even at the GM or winter meetings yet. So, I mean, well, Boris Sonic quotes, I should say. So. Yeah, and and wait till the winter meetings. I'm sure we'll do a best Boris quotes breakdown and a match the Boris quote to the free agent game and, and all that good stuff. I, I could do Seinfeld quotes literally forever, but I've got one more that feels like the right fit, especially heading into the offseason. The playoff... Bracket is almost settled. We almost know who's in and out. The Phillies are so close. Uh, the seating in the AL is mixed up, but we're mostly just settling things. And and some teams are already looking forward to 2023. Uh, there are some teams that are on the right track. There are some teams that need to reverse course entirely. That worked pretty well for George Costanza, the man who once saw his life turn on a dime when he began to try the complete opposite of everything he'd ever tried in his life up to that point. He always has tuna on toast. Nothing's ever worked for him with tuna on toast. I want the complete opposite of tuna on toast. Chicken salad, on rye, untoasted, and a cup of tea. What MLB team or player needs to try the complete opposite of everything they've ever believed in to turn around next season? First of all, great episode that was, because immediately after he ended up ordering that, he ended up getting a girl's number because she ordered the exact same thing. So yeah, I'm, right at the bar. Yeah, and I think a team that could end up having that kind of similar effect, um, I'm, I, like the White Sox here are like, I mean, kind of the obvious one just because, um, I mean, just hired the exact opposite of Tony La Russa. Um, like a Twitch with, streamer, like a 24-year-old manager. 
<laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, they should. Yeah, a video gamer or something like that. Um, <laughs> another team that popped into my head was the Pirates. Um, I'll go with the Tigers because mm-hmm. basically the opposite of what Alavila did is what they should do. Um, <laughs> and I, I think if they have the right people in in place, which I do think Scott Harris is the right guy, they got the right guy in the managerial spot. Um, they do some different things with that roster. They're going to be competitive, maybe as soon as next year, but even or maybe a year later. But yeah, I'll go with the Tigers in that one. What That's a great you? pick. That's a great pick. I, I had the White Sox. I was thinking about going in the opposite direction in the manager's room, like Rich Renteria, great caretaker. I think we're all agreed on that. Uh, Rick yeah. Renteria, uh, Tony Larusa, not the fit. I'm not sure where the fracture is in the clubhouse, but I know they haven't tried to patch it up yet. So please try the opposite of what you were trying last year. The Minnesota Twins trying to build a rotation also spoke to me here. They went with Tyler Maley in midseason. He met with a shoulder injury. Sonny Gray, maybe not the number one, maybe more of a number three. Montas, not sure if he would have worked there. But whatever the Twins are doing in the pitching department, they have not figured out how to complete that rotation yet. Also, the Marlins, in terms of just the people they target in trade, obviously, uh, we're we're at, in a different administration than we were when Christian Yelich and Marcelo Zuna and Giancarlo Stanton were offloaded, but none of those guys really, uh, you know, Zach Gallon and Sandy Alcantara as a haul. Only one of them is still there. The Stanton and Yelich deals did not work out. We're going to need to see more consistency from the Marlins moving forward. Um, like and I mean, complete opposite. It's it's hard to do. It's hard to do better than a. Uh, than the White Sox, though, in terms of just pivoting a complete 180 in that locker room. We need to change that voice. It might not be Miguel Cairo. It's got to be someone who's more analytically inclined, who can relate to the younger people in that clubhouse, who can help uh, fix those fractures, and who can get the number of the woman smiling at the counter who also ordered chicken salad on rye, untoasted. Oh, that oh. is, uh, that. that's what you're thinking, right? Yeah, I was when you said the smiling woman, I thought you meant the creepy one that's been sitting behind the the home plate. And no, no. Just, yeah, I was like, wait, whoa, and then that was like, okay, now I got gotcha. you. Yeah, no, nobody, nobody needs to make any contact with those people whatsoever. I, they need to go away by the playoffs. I can't do any more of that. No, it's freaking creepy as heck. You look into the stands, and all of a sudden, it's just like, it's like it makes me nervous, and I'm thousands of miles away. So, <laughs> yeah, not good. Not good. Uh, well, that's it. Those are our picks. We have a wide variety of Gene picks in the back. Gene's trash. I'm Gene. This is the best you can hope for. Uh, We hope you enjoyed our Seinfeld quote segment. We will be bringing it back. Trust me when I say we have 50 more of these, and we'll keep breaking them out all offseason long. Uh, Another successful episode of the Baseball Insiders this beautiful Monday. Uh, The string is being played out by plenty of teams this week, but oh boy, the next time we see you, Bert, the next time we hang out on a live stream, it is going to be Thursday. The playoff bracket will be set. The rosters will be trickling in for Wild Card Weekend, and I cannot wait, my friend. Let's get weird. Let's get it, baby. I'm so so stoked. I appreciate everybody tuning in, by the way, and, and watching and subscribing. And um, yeah, but uh, we got plenty of good content coming up. I can promise you that. So thank you. Uh, anything to plug before we sign off? Anything big coming this week? Um probably gonna have some more info i would say by thursday um so i would recommend watching thursday's pod but stay tuned um in case something does happen um and, and i can break it to my twitter handle at by robert murray got a column coming on thursday morning by the way and you also need to follow adam weindrip um the man that the legend we got our twitter handles right there so yeah give us a follow please appreciate the shout out man it's been a pleasure doing this with you today again obviously it wasn't a pleasure you know, obviously, something would have gone drastically wrong. You knew it was going to be a pleasure before the episode even started. Of course, you get to the end of the rope, and it was. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, any time with you is, is a pleasure. So, there we go. Got that. I can't wait to see you on Thursday. I can't wait for the playoffs. Wild card weekend. I've never said that in a baseball context before. Nothing to do with the end. It's not Houston Texans, Cincinnati Bengals at 425 on a Saturday in January. It is four different baseball series for the right to face top two seeds in the American and National League. I couldn't be more excited. Robert and I will see you on Thursday. Good afternoon, everybody. 
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.